Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Yes, She Can Project. I cannot tell you how delighted I am today to be joined by the gorgeous Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Hello, and, and, and I'm delighted to be here. I'm so flattered that you've asked me, so thank you. Oh, bless you. <laughs> so I don't really think that there's any need for an introduction, but just in case, would you like to tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Oh, I feel like I'm on family fortunes. <laughs> What's the name? Where have you come from? <laughs> um, well, I'm Andrea McLean, and we met through this Girls on Fire, which is great. Um, I was a TV broadcaster for over a quarter of a century, let's say. I spent 23 years at ITV Daytime. Um, mm -hmm. And my last job was 13 years on Lucy Min on ITV. And I left TV to devote myself full time to working on the personal growth and empowerment of, of women, which sounds very fancy, but really all it is, is through an app that my husband and I have created. It's just a way of making women just feel good. Cause I think yeah. that's all we need is just some help in feeling good. Absolutely, you're so right. Um, so take me back, Andrea, to the very beginning. So you studied um, journalism at university um, and you ended up being a weather presenter on GMTV. Um, so can you take me back to that time and tell me how difficult it was and how scary it was to get your foot in the door? Like, how was the first step for you? Well, my answer might surprise people because it wasn't scary to get my foot in the door because my foot fell in the door accidentally. I didn't <laughs> plan to go into telly. Um, okay. To put a bit of context to it. Um, so I did journalism. Uh, it, it was Coventry University, but it was Coventry Poly when, uh, when I went there. Yeah. And uh, I did history, politics and international relations because I'd heard that that's, that was a good degree to get uh, if you wanted to study journalism. Okay. And then fast forward a few years, I ended up, I thought it was all a bit serious in the end. So when I graduated, <laughs> I ended up going backpacking for uh, a year. I went around the world and uh -huh. I ended up becoming a travel writer, which I loved based on all my stuff that I'd written. Tried to get a job on the local paper. And while they were publishing my travel articles and other bits and bobs, they wouldn't take me on, on the oh. uh, journalism training thing, because they said I didn't have a postgrad in journalism. Okay. So I thought, that makes no sense. So <laughs> actually, they did me a really big favor, because I thought, right, where, where does everybody go to get the best jobs in journalism? London. So my parents at the time were living abroad. Uh, I had my mum's old Fiesta. I literally packed it up with everything I owned on the back seat of my car and I drove to London and I had no contacts at all. I had one friend who I knew, so I slept on her floor while I tried to figure out what I was doing. Um, I got, I got into a journalism school to do, um, to do my postgrad in journalism. It's like an intensive three months course. And then I lived in a bedsit and the bedsit, was about the size of the room that I'm in now. And it was so small, you couldn't fit a bed on the floor and nothing on the floor. They'd put a mattress on in the on top of the cupboard that was like built in and this like little stepladder thing. And what I then did was I was applying for every journalism job that I could 
possibly think of like you do when you're you know I was getting to the end of my course and I'd done work experience on Marie Claire magazine and 19 magazine and you know I was getting more experience but my funds were running low because I got a loan and everything to put me through um, journalism school and uh, I'd ended up I was working for a, a features agency as a, as a writer which was great but I got a phone call during that time saying you've applied to be a weather presenter would you well basically I'm making this sound really nice I'd applied for loads of jobs in the end I got a job someone rang me and said um, I don't know why I've been asked to call you because you haven't even sent in a showreel but apparently your photograph is nice so they want you to come in to be a weather presenter and I, I was like what um and in my haste applying for every job that was going there had been yeah. this little and i look back through my because again this is the olden days there's no internet it was all letters and oh my gosh. Uh, typed out on a typewriter yeah but i'd kept copies of everything that i'd applied for and i'd basically applied for this job that said journalist with on-screen presence and interest in weather and i thought journalist okay um, <laughs> interest in weather okay uh, I did job <laughs> didn't read the rest <laughs> and I just kind of went yes and wrote, and they, they said uh, send a photo and a showreel and I thought I don't even know what a showreel is so okay here's a picture and anyway it turned out it was um a weather presenter's job so what I did was I thought I can write about this as an experience what's it like to audition to be a weather presenter I had no clue so I went along and as is always the way, any job I've ever wanted where I have wanted it so much that you can smell it coming off me and the sweat <laughs> is running through my suit, I've never got because I look desperate and people think I'm a bit weird. But the jobs that I've just thought, well, do you know what? I'll give it a go and see how it works yeah. out. I sail through and it's wow. really obvious why, but yeah. it's really irritating. And I mm -hmm. ended up getting off of the job as weather presenter, oh. um, which was not on my plan at all. And so I said no, but they kept my name on file. And then okay. two years later, I got a call from someone else saying, your tape is on a part, this again, hey kids, it was on tape, it wasn't even on digital. <laughs> all the kids your, are going, what's the tape? <laughs> your, your tape is in a pile saying one to watch. Um, are you still interested and by then i'd worked for two years as a as a journalist um i'd started off as a features writer and a sub yeah. and what that means is you not only go out and interview people and this sort of thing but i was in charge of the, the layout of how pages looked and i'm okay. quite a creative person so i really enjoyed that and then very annoyingly i'd been promoted to production no, very annoyingly <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> well, even that sounds more glamorous. Basically, the person who is production editor had left to go traveling to Australia. I was very jealous of her. And I, <laughs> they promoted me to her role. But it was a horrible job because it meant I didn't get to do any writing. All I was doing I... was chasing other people up for their copy, making sure that everything had been edited properly and this sort of thing. And it just wasn't me. And I was getting more and more unhappy when I, where I was working. So this phone call came through saying, you may not remember this, but two years ago, you did this crazy audition. Um, are you still interested? And I went along and in the morning I had an interview for 
Just 17 magazine, which was the wow, job I remember that. I really wanted. I yeah. really wanted this job. And I did that thing of sweating and looking and smelling desperate. And not getting it. <laughs> and then that afternoon was, do you want to come in and have a chat with the Weather Channel based in America to be a weather presenter? And I thought, yeah, here's my day off anyway. And, I'm, and the same thing happened. And I remember oh. as I was being interviewed, and I really enjoyed the interview process because I thought they're asking me really interesting questions. Like, how would you... How would you take quite a complicated weather story and put it across in a way that people would understand? And I was explaining, but that's my job as a journalist is yeah. to take get creative with it, complicated, mm -hmm. and make them really approachable and, and readable. Yeah. And yes, you're putting across the facts, but you're doing it in a very friendly way. So how I would do it is I would always see it as a it's a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and I'm doing it with a smile, and that's how yeah. I would do it. And, um, oh gosh, that's my daughter ringing. Uh, do you mind if I take this? I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, sure. Just for a second. Working mums. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. problem. So um, if you did want to edit that out, um, I'll pick up. But if you don't, that was my daughter ringing because she's walking around to Nana's because I'm doing this today. And that's the reality <laughs> of working mums. Um, uh, yeah, so I ended up, I remember I got to the end of the interview process and he walked me to the lift and shook my hand and smiled. And I remember the lift doors closing and thinking, I've got the wrong job. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And the universe has a way of looking after us. It was exactly yeah. the right job for me. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I was sent to Atlanta to train with um, some other amazing women who had um, been taken on board. And then we had more, we were trained for about two months in meteorology in on-screen um, presenting skills, yeah. live skills. None of that happens in, in British telly. You're literally okay. thrown in at the deep end. So I was so lucky. Yeah. And then I worked for the Weather Channel for 18 months and then got made redundant, which was horrible. But again, the universe is looking out for me. Mm -hmm. And um, GMTV's weather presenter had just left at that time. Yeah. So this will make you laugh because it's a very long-winded story in terms of how I got into GMTV, but this is all relevant. Yeah. Um, by this time, I still didn't have a showreel, but I had a better picture. So I okay. sent the editor of GMTV and just hoped. And I got a phone call saying, would you like to come in for an interview? Mm -hmm. I thought, this is amazing. That's GMTV. And at the time, there was no sky. There was only yeah. four channels. Mm -hmm. So... It was huge. It was a really big deal to get a job on yeah. a national broadcaster like GMTV or, or ITV. It was, I mean, Were you sweating big. at this point? No, because actually okay. I just kind of thought, if it's for me, it'll happen. I had a different okay. attitude this yeah. time around. I mean, I was excited, but I yeah. wasn't like, oh. the main thing I was worried about was were, were my bills rather than, because <laughs> I wasn't necessarily thinking about, um, you know, <laughs> Oh, this amazing job. I just thought I really need to get paid. Um, but what I didn't know was when the editor's secretary had opened up his post and my picture came out, she burst out laughing, took it into him and showed it to him and said, since when has your girlfriend wanted to be a weather girl? And they'd had a right laugh at my expense because apparently I really looked like his girlfriend. And they'd called me in purely to see if I looked as much like her in real life. Oh, my God. <laughs> So I don't know this, and I picked up thinking, brilliant, okay. 
And all they were doing was kind of looking at me and going, gosh, she does, doesn't she? Yeah, she really <laughs> does. And I but you're like, what? I do what? <laughs> and then he said, well, while you're here, you may as well, you may as well do an audition. And I was thinking, I thought that was why I was here, but okay. <laughs> In a nutshell, what happened was they'd already given the job to someone else. And oh. he was a model and he was a really he was a beautiful young man and he was a very nice young man but he had no skills in weather presenting going back to what i was saying before about british tv is very different <laughs> um so they hired me to train him to do the job so i didn't okay. get the job but i got the job of training the better looking person who got the job <laughs> and so i worked with him for about a month training him up to yeah. give him all the skills that he'd need and said goodbye and then about five weeks later, they gave me a call and they said, it, it's not working out um, with him because he's finding the live element of it very, very Difficult. stressful. And it, mm -hmm. can you can you just come and step in until we get someone else? Brilliant. I don't care. I, I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to get getting paid. Yeah, get paid. I've got bills. Amazing. And mm -hmm. so all I did was turned up every day, was nice to everybody did the best job that I possibly could and kept my head down yeah and then a few months went by and I thought I'm still here and then a few <laughs> more months went by and I thought I'm still here so I went to see the then editor who yeah. got used to how I looked the fact that I looked like his girlfriend and said just want to know am I doing okay am I doing a good job am I staying and he said um he was Scottish. And what's funny, I'm not speaking out of turn for him saying these things about him. We have met up since then a few times and had a right laugh about this because yeah. it's all true. He was Scottish and he said, how are you doing? <laughs> Every wifey in her housecoat thinks she can do a better job than you. You're very non-threatening. <laughs> and I said, okay, is that a good thing? And he said, yes. Because they all they, they all think that you're just like them. So fine. And then he said, let's face it, you're no caprice. Oh. And and I thought, he's right. Caprice <laughs> is a very beautiful supermodel and I'm not. I'm a I'm a weather girl. So as long as I knew I had the job, I was fine. And I ended up uh, I sort of let him know, this is brilliant that I've got the job and I really enjoy it, but you may not realise it, but actually I'm a trained journalist and yeah. I would really love to do some features reporting for you. Mm -hmm. So if there's any other bits come up, can you, can I have them? Yeah. Or can you try me out? So what ended up happening was I ended up at GMTV for 11 years. I stayed wow. there for well over a decade Yeah. and GMTV became my training ground for everything that I did after mm -hmm. that, not through anyone showing me, but just through learning. Yeah. And what I, what I did was I, I became known as the person who can interview people who don't want to be interviewed. And okay. I don't mean like tricky politicians and that sort of thing, because that was clearly a job for that was for the sofa, that for the anchors. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Eamon Holmes and Fiona Phillips at the time when I was yeah. there. But what I mean is um, normal people who okay. have had something happen to them or are going through a difficult time or they've had an amazing time. I was very good at calming people down, making them feel really good, yeah. letting them have the best experience about being interviewed on live TV. And I really took that quite seriously because it, it's the biggest compliment you can have. That Absolutely. 
you're you're a strong but gentle reporter yeah and that was what i did and i ended up i stood in for uh lorraine kelly i stood in for fiona um and i built up my skills sort of out on the road but also yeah. in the studio and that was in the end what got me onto loose women wow that's incredible and i love the fact that it was like accidentally faked at the same time as well I bet you could train like a lot more people I bet they kind of used you for your skills and the skills that you'd picked up when you were over in America in order to to train other ones um I think well I, I wasn't ever used to to train anybody and I think but I did I always I've always helped people so for example mm -hmm. when I was on on loose when a new panelist would come on board I always ask for them to be sat next to me because Aww. whilst it looks really easy uh, to just sit and chat for an hour, clearly there's a lot more to it than that. There's structure yeah. and there's timings and mm -hmm. there's an earpiece. So you have someone talking to you all the time, either telling you to hurry up or, or so let someone else in or, or whatever. And um, I used to like to have them next to me so that if I could feel them freezing, as yeah. in, I want to get in, but I can't. I just reach under the table and either just give them a, a little pat or Aww. look at them to let them know I'm I'm bringing you in next. Yeah. So the camera wouldn't pick up on it, but I would look at, and there'd be the kind of this telepathic, I'm bringing you in next. Are you okay? You up for this? And then they'd nod, and then I'd nod Aww. like, right, okay, you're good. And that's just how I am. That's just it's in your nature, I, isn't it? Yeah. So that there's training that you can do but then I also think there's an instinctive thing that you can't train someone yeah to do. definitely oh that's so nice Andrea um so you've done loads obviously we touched upon loose women GMTV but you've also done a lot of like of the reality shows in between like dancing on ice and uh, tumble and celebrity SAS was that the reason to do those things was that to push yourself out of your comfort zone or was it a kind of yes situation as soon as you got the phone call or did you really really have to push yourself into them well there's there's very different reasonings behind all of those programs and the first one i ever did was uh, dancing on ice so yeah. i took part in the first ever series of dancing on ice which i think must be nearly 16 years ago now and you'll laugh at how i got that one so <laughs> I was, um, and it's funny because everyone thinks there's a there's a plan. There's never a plan. Um, okay. I was doing the weather, and I was um, sent to the Natural History Museum. puts a little ice rink out there uh, in the front every Christmas. Yeah, and it was quite normal that I'd get sent all over the place to report on the weather. And this day, I was there, and wobbling my way around the ice going you know and it's gonna be raining and here's your summary <laughs> this sort of thing and uh my agent rang me that afternoon and said um christopher or was it uh torvald dean anyway christopher yeah. dean was watching gmtv that morning <laughs> somebody had dropped out of this brand new show that no one even knew was coming yeah. called dancing on ice and he saw you and he thinks that he can work with you because you managed to stay upright all the way through the weather. Aww. Can you can you start on Monday? And this was on what? a Friday. So I was, okay, <laughs> what does it involve? What does it mean? Sure, yeah. okay, yeah, I'll learn how to skate. But what happened was everyone else had been training for ages beforehand 
and this oh, was no. two weeks before Christmas and the show went to air at the beginning of January. So, and I still had a full-time job. So Gosh. I would kind of get up at three in the morning, do GMTV, race to an ice rink, train as much as I could. And then I'd be sent to like Inverness or somewhere with the weather, pack <laughs> my bag and da, 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 da. And um, so the reason I did Dancing on Ice was because I thought it sounded like fun. Yeah. And actually, it was another pivot moment career-wise for me. Okay. Because I got brought in so late, so I, I clearly didn't, I wasn't as good as everyone else. But, uh, so I got voted out quite quickly. I was the third one out, but mm -hmm. the universe was looking after me. Uh -huh. Again, makes it sound like there's a plan. There's no plan. <laughs> um, uh, at that time, Paul O'Grady had an afternoon show called the Paul O'Grady Show. which Yes, I remember that. At five o'clock on ITV. And he'd recently jumped and gone to channel four or five. I can't remember which one he went to. And it happened quite suddenly. And there was this hole in the schedule. Right. And the, obviously the schedulers were panicking because what are we going to put in that slot? <laughs> and then I heard it's it prime the time, isn't it as well? It, yeah. Yeah. So it's called um, sort of shoulder. So it's daytime and then sort of shoulder, which is early peak and then yeah. peak time. And so it was a big deal. And I heard through the sort of everyone, oh my goodness, have you heard this? <laughs> but apparently uh, they were looking to put Dancing on Ice on every evening at that okay. time, but call it Dancing on Ice Extra and have this other show. But they were like panicking. They didn't have a production team set up to do mm -hmm. it. Blah, 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 blah. And I thought, I've just been voted out. I'm free. And I know all of the dancers. I know all of the judges. I know the whole setup. So I'd be really good on this. So I rang a friend of mine who was an editor who I'm still friends with now and literally spoke to him a few weeks ago. This is how long ago it was. And I said, do you think you could cobble together a showreel for me, just showing how I interview people and yeah. that I'm fun and energetic. And could you put it in the internal mail and can you get it on this person's desk by tomorrow morning? And he oh went, my God. yeah, I'm doing an overnight edit. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. And so he did. And I rang my agent and said, can you ring this person first thing tomorrow morning? Because there'll be a showreel on his desk by then and say, I want the job. Wow. And uh, she went, okay. And I got it. <laughs> you don't need an agent. You're doing it all yourself. <laughs> and, but it was, it was just timing. And so I ended up, I co-hosted Dancing on Ice Extra for the full run, apart from three weeks, of... Uh, the first series of Dancing on Ice. I did it with Andy, Andy Peters and it was uh, brilliant. I yeah. loved every second of that. And doing that job directly led me to doing Lisa Min because okay. they saw me outside of being just a weather presenter. Yeah. And it's reporting that I'd done. Clearly I could host a live TV show and <laughs> work in, in that way. And it was with the ITV team who I loved and got on really well with. Yeah. So it was, a, it was very shortly afterwards that I got a call saying, how do you fancy doing loose? And I just had Amy, um, I was on maternity leave and on my first day back at work, I got a call saying, right, they want you in on the Thursday. So I literally went wow. back to work and did two jobs. So I would get up at three, do breakfast telly, finish at half eight, go down in the lift, and start the loose women morning meeting at 8.45. And then I would go on and host that show. And then we used to pre-record another one after it. So I would work until about seven o'clock in the evening. Oh and gosh. I did that for a year. How, was, how was that to, to juggle, especially just coming back um, off maternity leave? How, how difficult was that for you? It was really hard. 
and um, it was very difficult because I had two young children. So Finley was five and Amy was just born. Mm-hmm. We just moved house. Uh, Gosh. When I think about it, it was insane. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but obviously being a weather presenter, I was still being sent all over the country. So sometimes yeah. I would get a call to say, right, the editor wants you to go to Scarborough tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, this is when we used to pre-record some of the shows for Lucy Min. And they would have to send a car to my house and um, whoever was in would pack a bag for me, send the bag back to Lucerne where I was working. And then I'd come off the recording and get on yeah. a train, get to where I was going for like midnight and then read my notes for that and then get my up the next gosh. day, do that, then travel all the way back again. And it's funny when you watch TV and you see people popping up all over, you yeah. never think about how they've got there. Or, <laughs> and you know, how on earth they've managed it. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of trains, planes and automobiles. Oh, my gosh. Uh, one of my favourite shows, Andrea, is I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out Here. Has that ever been on your radar? What would you say if you got asked to go on there? I'd love to do that. And years ago, I did an interview for it and they turned me down because they said I was too nice. <laughs> oh, how can you be too nice to go on there? <laughs> I, I just wow. thought, well, that's very honest feedback. So that's that's fine. And uh, if you're ever going to lose a job or not get a job, didn't lose it. Um, th- that's not a bad reason. So I oh, you have to start being nastier. <laughs> then you can go in the jungle. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, so yeah, it was a very long time ago. I mean, not that I'm not nice anymore, but I'm still nice. But uh, yeah, if it came up, yeah, hundred percent, I would definitely. You definitely seem like fiercely independent, like from when when you first started talking about the fact that you just moved to London with nothing, the fact that you just kind of jumped on a plane and went to America as soon as, you know, you had that opportunity. Have you always been that way? Yeah, I think I have. And I've always... um, I've always been good at seeing an opportunity and thinking right okay um this is really scary but how am I gonna how would I feel if I didn't do it yeah and I I I think one of the first times I did that I was probably about 10 wow and I can't remember what it was I used to play a lot of tennis and I think I I got a chance to play tennis somewhere or something like that I can't remember and I can really vividly remember being in my room and um thinking Right, imagine yourself as a really old lady. And what's funny is I'm probably imagining myself as old as I am now. Um, but imagine yourself as a really old lady. But actually, joking aside, I used to picture myself in a rocking chair. And I'd think, right, you're looking back over your life. How will you feel if you don't do this thing? Wow. And I'd feel the regret. And I'd think, right, no, that's, that's not good. I'm going to try it anyway. Because then mm-hmm. when I get to be that old lady, and I've tried it and it didn't work. But that's fine and i'd rather live feeling that way yeah so that was really young that and no one had told me about mm-hmm. zooming forward in time and and doing it that way but i've done it ever since the two things that have seen me through difficult times or making decisions i've instinctively done since i was a child one yeah. was will i regret not doing this when i'm really old mm-hmm. and then if the answer was no you won't regret not doing it then i think okay fine i'll, I'll leave it or if I will, then I'll do it. And the second thing is understanding that pain is temporary. Okay. And that, again, when I speak to people who've been through 
really traumatic experiences or difficult experiences, the, the skills that I taught myself didn't come from a book or hearing it somewhere. It was something yeah. I had inside. And I can remember using it with childbirth, using it with, you know, I've had many, many operations in my time, a corrective surgery to do with um, female gynecological problems. And, uh, and, and then I, they went wrong and had to be, I've had numerous abdominal surgeries. So there's a lot of pain involved with, with that. Yeah. And that was recognizing that pain is temporary. And if you count and breathe your way through it, it mm -hmm. will go. I don't know where I got this from. I genuinely wow. don't know who, how it got planted in, in my head, but mm -hmm. I would count like you're taught in, you know, in antenatal classes, I would count and breathe and see it as a wave that would pass and then stop and then count and breathe again. Yeah. And I've done that every time, even if it's stupid things like getting your legs waxed or, <laughs> or whatever inside I'm, I'm counting to 10 and then breathing and then going count just another count to 10 just yeah. another count to 10 you're nearly there just keep going and counting is always what's got me through I, w I wonder if actually in actual fact you've probably used that for mental pain also you know that's probably what's got you through the difficulties in your life as well because of already having that pre-mindset if you like that this is only temporary be that physical pain or mental pain I bet that stood you in good stead to kind of recognize you know when you needed help or I, I think so and I think I've always been very logical which yeah. even though I'm I'm actually I didn't even know it was a thing until again there's another interesting story someone across a crowded room literally came over to me and told me this and then I looked into it and realized they were right the person <laughs> came over to me and said did you know that you're a highly sensitive person and I'm me what <laughs> what do you mean and then we started chatting and she was totally right totally right yeah. and I think even though I'm I am a highly sensitive person and not in a, oh, I take offense at the smallest thing. Mm -hmm. No, I, I I have always, I tune into other people's emotions. Always. I can see, I see what's happening when other people yeah. aren't aware, when mm -hmm. I can feel an emotion in a room. I, 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 it's, it's like my senses are turned up too much. I feel too yeah. much, but despite that, I'm also very logical. Mm -hmm. So that you wouldn't think that the two would go hand in hand. No. I, I'm always able to, well, not even if I lose the ability, I can find it again of thinking, ah, so you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling anxious yeah. or, or all of these things. It's because of this. That's why yeah. you're feeling it. It will pass. So mm -hmm. although my dial is turned up too high and I do, and I still have it now. Um, and it, it's horrible sometimes. But I can tell myself, oh, okay, it's because of it's because of that. So take yes. yourself away. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm the first person to leave a party. I never I never explain. I just go. Um, yeah. If if I sense that a mood is changing in somewhere that I I am, I pick up on it before anybody else does. Yeah. And I just leave. If someone is being too obnoxious and I can't bear it, I make my excuses and go yeah um, <laughs> uh, but yeah it's I'm a very odd mixture of, of the two 
Yeah. So almost like you've got the ability to rationalize things, but also you've got the ability to tune in and kind of recognize before other people do. I think, like you said about when you were on loose, having that person next to you so that you can feel their emotions and maybe feel their nerves, perhaps that's that stood you in good stead as well, hasn't it? It has. I mean, it's also got a downside because I can feel I can feel really strongly if someone doesn't like me. Um, and it's an interesting one because some people go through their lives totally oblivious and there's a bit of me that wishes I could be like that (laughs) some people live the best life and I think you have no idea that everyone in this room thinks you're a plonker (laughs) 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 but I can I can feel everybody's waves here um (laughs) so so, but it's okay now I've even well again I say now um when I was a teenager I got bullied at school and I could it was it was horrible but again i understood it i could feel it coming off them and sometimes i can literally feel it coming off them um <laughs> but i understood it so i was able to rationalize it and think i totally get why why you find me unsettling because i'm i've i'm very different to you and yeah. i've had a different upbringing to you i grew up traveling around the world because my dad was an engineer for uh, a sugar company so I grew up, it was very like the army life. I grew up all over okay. the place. Um, so I got it. I understood. Oh, I'm so sorry. Now it's my dog. Hold on. One second. Things out the door. Hello. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, that was my daughter coming home now. Nana's got home. Home from nannies. <laughs> Bless so, you. Sorry about that. No, don't be Um, so I can't imagine, Andrea, like from a personal point of view, because I'm I'm a super sensitive person and I get like I get really stressed, like with what people think about me and things like that. And it makes me it makes me really upset if I can't understand, say if somebody doesn't doesn't like me and, and I don't know the reason why, it kind of really unsettles me. Um so f- for you from your point of view being having the level of fame that you have how difficult is it to be kind of really under scrutiny all the time and and live in your life with that kind of spotlight on you how do you manage I think I think it's a muscle that you 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 build strength in okay because you nothing nothing stops you feeling hurt by people not liking you because we're all made the same way we we want everyone to like you. I, in particular, like people to like me because I'm, I am a, I'm a, a nice, kind person who cares. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I do. I feel it when people don't like me. But the difference is, being in the public eye, um, and maybe certain members of the public not liking me, is I've been able to rationalise that because I think, well, you yeah. you don't know me, so you you're mm-hmm. basing not liking me on on something that you've that you've seen me me do and you might not like that thing or there could be something about me that you just find really scratchy and really irritating do you know what I mean some people just make you scratchy they just I can't put my finger on it why I don't like them I will leave the room (laughs) so and the way I rationalize it is I think well I don't like everybody so why do I expect everybody to like me so I don't really have a problem with it what I do have a problem with and I will always have a problem with is if I don't like someone and they make me feel a bit scratchy, 
I just removed myself from their presence. Yeah. And and because there are seven billion people on the planet, why would I want mm -hmm. to spend my time staring at someone who's scratching? <laughs> So I don't, there's lots of other people I can go and stare at. <laughs> the thing I don't understand is why someone will seek someone out yeah. and keep going at them mm -hmm. to pull them down, to troll them, to tell them exactly how horrible they think you are. Yeah. I don't understand that and I don't accept that. And so it's, it's taken me a while to get to that headspace. I bet. And, um, Sometimes I try and answer it them them back nicely, and I'll okay. say, "Oh, okay, wow, you you." Especially if it's on DMs, I don't tend to do it publicly, but mm -hmm. I I do. I get trolled in my in my DMs on social media. Aww. So sometimes I'll answer them back and say, "Wow, you you really don't like me." Um, that just let you know that, that that's okay. I get it. I don't like everybody any, either. But um, are you all right? You yeah. sound really upset that you mm -hmm. don't like me, and I'm just before we before we go our separate ways are you all right and sometimes people come back and go no i've had a really bad day and mm -hmm. seeing you look so happy has really irritated me because i want to be happy and then we'll end up having a conversation over yeah. messaging mm -hmm. and then normally they'll apologize or say oh, i'm sorry i just kind of lashed out and i'll say that's, that's okay have a nice day and it carries on oh. um other times there are certain people that will always find you scratchy and it doesn't matter what you do. And when I do the first tack, which is, you know, high, um, <laughs> it comes back with double barrels and they really don't like me. So then we come to a mutual agreement of we are never going to be on the same page. So now you're oh blocked. <laughs> and they just go. <laughs> do you think that um, because obviously people we know that people behave in that kind of way because of some kind of unhappiness and hurt within themselves. And it's easier to project that outwardly than it is to kind of look within and deal with what whatever's going on in their life that makes them unhappy. Do you think, would that be your advice to somebody to respond to them? No, I, I'm very odd. Don't do what I do. <laughs> um, and, and also, I don't do it to everyone. Um, there are some people who... And again, after years of being in the public eye, you can sense it. There are some people who they're, this is just a game to them. So yeah. they are, they're just out um, scattergunning, seeing yeah. who they can upset that day. And they just get a straight block and I'm not interested. And mm -hmm. um, sometimes people will pop back up saying, uh, oh, you've, you've deleted a horrible comment on your timeline. Can't you take it? So I delete that as well. And yeah. how I see that, it's not about, I can't bear to have any criticism. I, I get criticized daily, so clearly I can take it. Oh. It's not that, it's the way I see social media is, I've opened up my kitchen to you. Okay. And you've come into my kitchen, yeah. and maybe you don't like how it looks. And maybe there's something about it that really gets on your nerves. So leave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not forcing you to stay here, so leave. Yeah. And if you were literally standing in my kitchen and we were getting on, it'd be awesome. We'd have a great old time yeah. because we'd be standing in my kitchen. But if you're going to stand in my kitchen and slag me off and slag off mm -hmm. my family and criticise everything you think I stand for, then I will ask you to leave my kitchen. So that's yeah, how exactly. I see it. Through the same door that I invited you in through. Yeah, yeah. I bet that's really difficult, though. I think that's one thing that I would really struggle with personally as a mum 
anybody criticizing my family I think that's where I would go from being like a placid nice kind person I think it kind of kicks in something entirely different doesn't it when it goes to the next level like that yeah and and obviously I can take it if people criticize me um but I I it, it hits a, a raw mum nerve if yeah. if it's not just my children but my husband or anyone or even friends anyone that yeah. I uh, that I care about but again anyone who is behaving in that way are kind of in two camps they're either hurt and they're lashing out yeah they're really not very nice and they're just playing yeah. and so I don't just don't engage because yeah. they'll, they'll move on and find someone else Mm -hmm. it's, Which is horrible it's so sad going to someone else um but, <laughs> you know it is what it is yeah exactly um moving on to loose women andrea you made um the decision to leave back in december 2020 um what was the inspiration or the motivation behind that at that particular time well as you know i've been running this girls on fire on the side um for for quite a while yeah and i've been it had started off as a as a as a free online blog that i'd okay. put together after my second book came out confessions um, of a menopausal women just in case right. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason for that and the reason i don't normally tell people which book it is because then people think oh it's a menopause site and it's not but what it, what that book did was I'd never written a book that was to help other people before and right. it clicked in something in my head that this is taking something that I've instinctively always done mm -hmm. and actually I'm really enjoying doing it in this way oh. so I I put together with Nick um thisgirlsonfire.com and it became just this free online space where women could get articles on anything. And because of my journalism background, I really enjoyed, it was quite magazine-y sort of yeah. thing. But you'll know this from a business sense, it was the most ludicrous business plan because I, I turned down every sponsor and I turned down all advertising because I oh. wanted to keep it a clean space. I didn't okay. want it to be one of these pop-up sites that people don't know what what it represented because yeah. you know and I had many sponsors come to me uh and ask to 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 pay to be involved with yeah. the page and I kept turning it down because for me it was more important that just women got access to great stuff yeah but what that meant was uh I was writing some of the articles and really incredible journalists were approaching me and asking if they could contribute so I was yeah. paying everyone uh, I then was putting more of a team together in terms of uh building the website up N Nick ended up he quit his job to Gosh. go into this full time because he was mm -hmm. doing it sort of on the side but what that meant was I was then working every hour taking yeah. every other job that was coming and putting it all into paying for this site so technically okay. the site was doing very well it was yeah. we were being visited by 75 countries around the world our wow. rate was incredible people were mm -hmm. finding us purely through our great content they didn't yeah. know who I was and I loved it but it couldn't carry on and so I had to try and find a way to monetize the site but in yeah. a way that still felt um, authentic on, to authentic what you were trying and, to do authentic and honorable yeah and so 
again, we, we tried two different things. We tried the marketplace, which um, that's how we first got to yeah. know each other. <laughs> yeah. And for me, this Girls on Fire, it, it's my mission. It sounds silly, but we wrote it down in our, in our office wall at the beginning. So my mission is to empower 100 million women around the world to get wow. the emotional and financial freedom to live a life they love. So mm -hmm. that is like my buzzword that is in my head. So for me, because I've because I've struggled, because I've struggled financially, I've struggled emotionally, I've been a single parent. I've been a single parent twice because I've actually uh, I've been divorced twice, which is, okay. you know, once is god awful, twice as horrendous. The, you oh. know, the feelings of, of, of shame and the vulnerability of uh, my only my only reason for me was to put a roof over my kid's head and keep them feeling yeah. safe and calm and uh, and loved. So for me, if I could provide the emotional tools for women so that they could have the emotional support that they need just to feel great about themselves so they can go yeah. on and do whatever they like. That was one side of it. And then for the marketplace, again, for me, it was about financial freedom, because for yeah. me, if you give a woman financial freedom, she can do and be whoever she wants. Absolutely. And I've always been very lucky that I've I've had a drive in me since I was a very young teen, a tween probably, mm -hmm. uh, to earn my own money and look after myself. Yeah. And it, it's something that I think men think is a great idea, but I don't think they fully understand how the, important it is how vital it is yeah and especially when you hear what is going on around the world politically now yeah um it makes my blood run cold because women need they need the emotional and mental tools so yeah. that they have the power to mm -hmm. become financially free yeah um so that then they can make their own decisions when when it seems like governments and everyone else is trying to take their power away from them mm -hmm. so uh that was sort of my driving force we launched the marketplace and unfortunately then the pandemic happened and just the, the whole thing as as you know it it couldn't sustain itself so we yeah. had to park that uh, for now and focus 100 percent on the community side of things yeah but how i've managed to sort of build to bring the two together is using the skill set that i've built through 25 plus years of working in TV. So all the yeah. skills that I had on GMTV and then on Lou Sumin, um, what I what I do is bring together amazing experts and interview them and bring out great advice so that yeah. they can pass it on to, mm -hmm. uh, to our community. And it's advice on everything that I think a woman could need so it's yeah. either family based financial based business whatever so why did i leave loose women to do this because a lot of people have asked me well couldn't you've just kept doing them both mm -hmm. not really because it, there's a there's a very big identity wrapped up in working on a program like loose women which was yeah. brilliant for the time mm -hmm. that i was there yeah um but mentally i needed to focus on one thing yeah. And I wanted that one thing to be this girls on fire because it'd been mm -hmm. it'd been four years kind of in the in the making of realizing actually this is a this is now 
you know, people were using the term side hustle, which kind of annoys me because it downplays how hard work it is to have yes. a whole business working on the side of something that you're, yeah. you're doing as your day job. It's an incredibly mm -hmm. difficult thing to do. And it, it's as irritating to me as the word chick lit. No, it's a book for <laughs> women and it happens to be blooming brilliant. Don't downplay it by calling it chick lit. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was right. I need to go all in on this because Nick was running everything behind the scenes on his own with me coming in after work going uh, no I don't like that no change that okay. hang on a minute I want to go in this direction you've gone off a bit and, and so he was like I'm trying to run this and you're only <laughs> half in I, you need to you know yeah jump in and so why did I do it then because I'd been waiting for the perfect time when I didn't feel scared oh and then I realized that there's never going to be a time when I don't feel scared. But also I kept thinking because it was such a 90 degree turn from what I knew I was good at. I kept thinking, well, who am I to do this thing? Cause I'm not a business person. I don't understand the business world. So one, what if I do it and it flops and it's terrible. And I've just given up being the breadwinner to, to go in and do this thing. But the pandemic happened and I realized, there were people way smarter than me had made all these predictions and plans and put all these strategies in place and uh, you know spreadsheets and all the thing um i even understand spreadsheets now i didn't understand them at first but <laughs> I, I, I even have some myself um but they had done all this forward planning and then poof just like that everything had changed yeah. and i thought now is the time yeah. because this proves there is no such thing as the right time does it feel right for me yes that's all i need yeah. So I did. And um, it was a really difficult decision because I was a breadwinner. Mm -hmm. um, so many people relying on me. Um, obviously, my family relying on me to put a roof over their head, but also I built up a team and they're relying on me to and I don't want to let anybody down. Um, so it was a huge gamble. I can't imagine how that pressure fell on your shoulders at that time, like being torn between knowing that that was your true path and then also having those pressures as well. How did, how did you navigate yourself through the initial, oh, my God, I hope I've made the right decision kind of thing? I kind of, you know, I took myself back to when I drove to London with everything I owned in the back seat of my mm -hmm. car and, and I didn't know whether it would work or not. I just knew yeah. that this is what I had to do. And I had to put myself at least in a position where I could make it possible yeah. because if I stayed up in Chester, which is where I lived at the time thinking, well, this is rubbish that I can't get on the local paper. <laughs> and, and I was working in a clothes shop at the time to make, uh, to give me money. Yeah. And I'd probably end up running my own clothes shop, um, mm -hmm. which is brilliant. You know, my life would have gone in a different direction. But you can't, you can't kind of sit around and grumble. Yeah. You have to give it a go. And if it doesn't work, at least you, at least you tried. And at least, you know, the mm -hmm. big difference between feeling the fear and doing it anyway, and putting yourself in a position where at least opportunity um, is, is you're, you're putting yourself in the path of opportunity yeah. is that when I did it at 24, uh, one, it was private. Nobody, nobody knew who I was. I was just, <laughs> yeah, another person driving down to London. Um, and also I had nothing to lose because I had yeah. no family counting on me. If it didn't okay. work, I'd have just done something else. Whereas yeah. this time around, um, I was in my fifties. 
I have mortgage, I have kids, I have a team. And also I have the whole of Britain looking at me. Yeah, half of them with their arms folded going, well, this isn't going to work. Yeah. And the other half going, wow, that's really scary. I can't believe she's doing that. And everyone just waiting to see if I'm going to land on my face. Oh, um, gosh. So how did I get through that? I just thought, I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm doing it for me. Yeah. So, right. Let's look at worst case scenario. And Nick and I sat down together. And this is where it's really great being married to someone who is very logical. And he said, okay, let's write down a list of everything you're worried about. And then we'll make a contingency plan for that. So it was him. I mean, you know, Nick, and he's a brilliant guy. Not only is he super nice, um, but he's a really smart tactical guy in terms of, right, okay, if that's not working, let's try something else. So we wrote out on a piece of A4, possibly more. um, (laughs) Few stuck together. (laughs) What do we do if this happens? Well, we'll do this, okay? And then if this happens, and then we just dug down deeper and deeper and deeper into worst case Armageddon scenario of everything that could possibly go wrong. And then we called it our blueprint for failure because then we had this blueprint for, okay, if this first thing goes wrong, that's what we'll do. If this thing, that's what we'll do. And when you look all your problems in the face like that, they're not so scary anymore. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing to do. Well, everyone always talks about a blueprint for success. And yeah, that's great. And it's really important. You need to know where you're going and otherwise you just kind of, floating about and you need to have an idea as to where you're heading off to but I've never pinned all my hopes on on a specific thing there's been an idea of yeah I want to do that Mm -hmm. and how I get there I've kind of known it's always gonna be wobbly I always get a bit stressed when they're you know we're gonna do this and it's gonna be this way because then I there's a there's this little voice on my shoulder going, but what if that doesn't work? <laughs> <laughs> I need to write it on my A4. <laughs> I know, I don't get well, hang on a minute. So once I'd done that and looked it in the eye, it wasn't so scary. And I'm so yeah. glad we did it because pretty much every single worst case scenario actually happened. The first yeah. being on the day that I announced that I was leaving TV. I lost every single brand endorsement deal that I had. <gasps> so I'd had um, a series of um, brand endorsements, which lovely companies, and I, I only ever hand on heart work with companies that I, I think is a great product or I like how they do things or whatever. Yeah. And so I knew, right, okay, I've got that much money coming in. Because when you work on TV, you're freelance. So if you don't work, you don't get paid. Yeah. Um, that's it, the tap just goes. Oh um, God! No holiday pay, no pension, no nothing. You're you're mm-hmm. a normal freelancer. You're a normal self-employed person. So, yeah. Um, I knew I had right this much money coming in that would see us through six to eight months, which I hoped would be enough time to get traction. To yeah. Get the running. Overnight it went. It just went. They all dropped me. So I remember getting the phone call from my agent. Uh, I was driving home from work, and she was like, "Hey, babe, how's your day?" Da-da. Well, I've got news. Um, oh my God. And she's like, it's okay, it'll be fine. We'll find something else. And we we didn't for a very, very long time. Um, and so I had to come home and say to Nick, well, I've got news. Um, oh, our safety net is gone. It's totally gone. 
So now we just have savings mm-hmm. and it's all hands on deck. Not that yeah. it wasn't all hands on deck before. It's now. <laughs> it really is now. All knuckles, and, everything. <laughs> and what that does is it, it sharpens the mind. So yes. any decision that you make is actually made easier because you you don't think, oh, well, do you know, we'll give it a go for a little while and see how it goes. Yeah. You, you have to break everything down and mm-hmm. be extremely logical about it. And if it's not working, this is unsustainable. So we're going to have to make a call. Yeah. And it's like being a doctor in ER. So I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to make a call. <laughs> yeah. No it. beds today. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. You know, it's the 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 the, the patient is not going to survive. We're we're going to have it's a horrible, difficult call, but we're going to have to make this call. Oh and now we're going to have to keep moving forward. Yeah. And that's pretty much how it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, what's wonderful though is it's coming together in fact it's come together and it was tech that let us down uh in the end which is um understandable Mm -hmm. because we were building an app and anyone who's involved in anything tech uh we're we're dealing with a company in san francisco and they're brilliant at what they do um but everything was taking so much longer right. uh, to to pull together and work but what it actually did was we we opened our this girls on fire membership for a very short period of time and then shut the doors so we okay. actually ran a closed shop for almost a year mm-hmm. actually it was it was a year um actually yeah looking at it now yeah it was it was a year and we didn't let anybody else in so what that's like is you know, people could be looking through the shop window thinking there's something going on in there, but I can't get in. So they just walk by. The um, key's in the door. Yeah. Um, and what we did was we were testing and measuring with our founder members and we were testing okay. and measuring, right, will the app work in this way? No. Okay. So that's not good. How about masterclasses? What kind of length are you enjoying? Do you like it? Yeah. An hour long with a 42 page workbook? No, too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. How about a half hour masterclass with three key yeah. takeaways and a five page workbook? Brilliant. Let's do that. What kind of guests are you really enjoying? Right. So we were constantly providing, surveying, tweaking. And what that means is by the time we our doors officially open and we are now on the App Store and we are now on Google Play, oh, yeah, what it means is we know it works. Yeah. And in a weird way, again, I keep coming back to this. The universe was looking after us mm-hmm. because if we'd have opened our doors, and thousands and thousands of people came in we'd have been so scrabbling just to provide yeah. content and do whatever we wouldn't have been able to tweak it and refine it and make sure mm-hmm. that actually the product that we're offering yeah is as good as it can be mm-hmm. and actually we've worked in practically lab conditions for the past year <laughs> and now, yeah, exactly and so now we know it really worked and also what's so beautiful is our founder members are the most incredible loyal beautiful wonderful women who Mm -hmm. are still with us and here for the ride and they've now become ambassadors for us they message us right what is next how can we help you how can we help you you know send the message out to the world in terms of what you know this amazing experience that we've had in terms of our growth and um so i wouldn't have actually changed anything yeah but I, but I think what you've done, oh, Andrea, with the community that you've built, 
by having them on the journey with you and by asking for for the feedback it's actually it's produced those wonderful people and those loyal people because they feel like they've been a part of something super special from the very beginning especially if they've been allowed you know to help you make decisions and things and I think that's what makes it it stand out from from other memberships definitely because it's it, it is a real community it is and also we genuinely care. Um, You know, I think that there could be an assumption, which would be false, that I'm just some woman of the telly who saw a gap in the market and Mm -hmm. is very cynically came up with this idea and blah, blah, blah. Not at all. This organically grew four years ago from an experience that I had of wanting to, to pass on information to help women improve their lives in some way and then I've been working on it really quietly behind the scenes can I just add free for the whole world but not free to put together it's the only person who hasn't made any money out of this girls on fire is is me and (laughs) because any money that we've we've made only in the past um very very short while has gone straight back into the yeah we have never taken a salary we've it Gosh. all goes back into the business and, yeah. and I think every startup operates in in that way yeah definitely. and in terms of how my mindset has changed with regards to oh gosh I couldn't possibly and who am I to do this thing I think it was because I had this idea about business where I thought I'm not a businesswoman and I I realize now that actually I, I may not have a degree in business or anything like that mm-hmm. but I have a I have an idea that I passionately believe in and I'm surrounded by people who are very capable, yeah, who yeah. we all work together to make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's what a business person does. Absolutely. And what I also realized is that the the phrase, I, it's probably comes from Dallas dynasty and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's not personal, it's just business. <laughs> I've realized actually all business is personal. Absolutely. And once I realized that, Oh, my shoulders came down and I breathed mm-hmm. out because I thought this is something I can do because actually business is building relationships with people yeah. and working together and collaborating mm-hmm. and actually really joining together and wanting something to work for for everyone. I'm really yeah. good at that. So <laughs> yeah. And it's about having that passion, isn't it? I think so many people would be would love to have a business of their own or would love to venture into business. But like you say, that the whole facade of business feels often unreachable to women especially I would say but in actual fact what what you're proving is and and I think what we all prove as women in business is you don't have to have all the answers you don't have to know what you're doing from the very beginning as long as you've got that passion and that care and that that want to help other people then you can do anything you put your mind to I I think I think yes, but I also think you need to surround yourself with a great team. Yeah. Um, because you, again, a big relief and shoulders coming down and breathing out was realizing, oh, I'm not supposed to do it all on my own. Oh. You're, you know, you're you're not supposed to know how to do everything. That's why companies employ people. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they would be a one man band doing the symbols <laughs> and the drums and the whole thing. And yes, there are you know most of my time and, and Nick's time as well he he would say the same thing we're like an octopus we do everything 
yeah. we 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 have our our eyes and hands across every part of our business because we're still so young in it but yeah. we 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 are very aware that we need to know how every nut and bolt of it runs especially mm -hmm. at this point in time because when we scale which yeah. is is something that we of course we want to scale because we can't continue at this rate and it's not greed it's common sense we need yeah. to grow bigger because mm -hmm. one it's unsustainable we can't we cannot keep working at the level that we're working yeah. on no income um but also the the bigger we get and the more people that that discover us the more people that we serve and the more people yeah. that we help and the most beautiful thing about what we do is um, one woman, if, if it's a, a mom or a wife or a daughter, the ripple effect that goes out and out and yes. out from helping one member of a family, the feedback mm -hmm. that I get gives me goosebumps from the, yeah. the difference that it makes. So for me, I'm charged up in terms of, right, we need to make this bigger and better in terms of, um more organized because i love our content okay. and what and what we do but um and i we haven't necessarily put it out there yet but again one of my my plans from the beginning was it's great to raise women up in a relationship but you need to raise the man up as well because otherwise there's an imbalance there so okay. i'm lucky that nick and i uh both feel the same way about uh, personal growth about yeah learning um all of these things so in the third quarter of this year we're launching this guys on fire oh congratulations thank you and so we are working really hard behind the scenes now on that as well as this okay. girl is on fire and i think a lot of the learnings that i've had it's taken me all these years to get to this point with this girl is on fire but there's so much of it that can just be flipped and mirrored yes. in terms of mm -hmm. her for men so it will be a much quicker process in terms definitely. of definitely guys on fire together but because you've got the foundations already haven't you and you've you've gone yeah. through the lessons that you've learned or the mistakes that you've made that you, that you won't need to make for a second time and also the the contacts that we've made we have met yes. some incredible people in terms of olympic coaches mindset coaches uh all sorts of amazing people who work with both men and women so yeah. many of them will end up working across both platforms yeah. which is which is great and i've been able to relax in terms of oh but i'm not an expert no one expects me to be an expert yeah i'm me who i have my own um learnings to share and yes i've i've trained as a coach and we are continuing our training both nick and i we're now training um as an, an lp coach now so we're okay we've, we've made it our ambition as well on the side that every year we'll keep adding to our qualifications and our learnings so that we can just offer more but yeah, really exactly. my job is to bring the experts on board and mm -hmm. just say you know here they are <laughs> learn great stuff through through them um and i feel more like a mum really Aww. just you know help helping them along and 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 that sort of thing while building on the side and watching you know, them grow as well i bet that's a really i bet it's so special to be a part of so many people's journeys and see kind of how how and where they are at the start and then with with your help and the community because that's another thing it's not just it's not just you connecting with the community the community at this girl it's on fire everybody connects with one another 
And it's a really, really nice, you know, group of people. I can definitely say that from from when I was at the marketplace. Like the ladies are just amazing and your team as well. Thank you. That 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 really means a lot. Thank you. And um, yeah, the, one of the things I love. So in, inside the app, we have it's like a private Facebook group. And so if, if you're familiar with how that runs, it's uh, so you we, we put posts out and then people can comment. And but it's what I love about it is it's totally self-contained within the app. So you don't get distracted by any other groups that you belong to, like you would say okay. on Facebook. And what I love is sometimes because uh, I go in it every day and, and, and get myself involved and chat and react and things. But sometimes I sit back. So I'll watch someone put a post out about whether a difficulty that they're going through. So people okay. post just like they do in Facebook or Instagram. And then I sit back and I watch how the other community react to it. Oh. And it's beautiful because yeah. then I don't need to do anything because mm -hmm. through their learnings, I watch the answers that they give. And sometimes, you know, it will just be, a, oh, hang in there, you know, you're doing really great. Yeah. Or even on the flip side, yay for you. Oh my gosh, you got that promotion. That's fantastic. Um, or sometimes they'll say, did you listen to such and such a podcast? Because we have our own podcast within the, yes. within the app. Listen to, have a go on this masterclass. This really helped me. And so they all support and lift each other. And actually, I don't need to do anything. And oh. for me, that's when I feel like a proud mum because it's yeah like, it's working they're helping mm -hmm. each other out and that's exactly what I want yeah definitely what's what's been your biggest challenge so far Andrea would you say um, in the business it's been finances obviously okay. you know any any startup would would say that it's cash flow because obviously yeah. it costs money to to bring a product together and mm -hmm. you when you're especially when you're in a catch-22 situation of when you're in build but you can't sell it yet that yeah. was really challenging um but i'm again i'm 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 glad that we we stuck to our guns and we didn't put anything you know we could have just gone do you know what forget an app let's just do it on facebook um it's i my goal is to put personal growth into the palm of your hand. I want it to make it yeah. as habitual that you scroll mm -hmm. through our app as you do with Facebook going, oh, yeah. that. that's a really good idea. So the challenge was really was that, but that's normal startup challenge. And also endurance. Now that might sound like a strange thing to, to say, but um, so give you an example. I'm, I'm a really, I am a brave woman. I do yeah. brave things and I've, uh, I've overcome some very, very challenging times in my in my personal life, yeah. with my health, with my with relationships, with all different kinds of things in my life, and I've faced them with bravery. Yeah, and yeah. I've made difficult decisions and stuck with them, or I've made difficult decisions. Thought actually, do you know what? That doesn't quite work, and I pivoted. So all of those, I kind of knew I had it in me. <laughs> what I didn't anticipate was the, the how much of an endurance test starting a business would be yeah. and what I mean by that is it's all very well to run on adrenaline and coffee and going yeah we're gonna pull through we're gonna <laughs> you cannot do that for 18 months working no. 18 hour days mm -hmm. every single day because you'll fall down yeah. and for me it was recognizing right this is a marathon 
this is but it's a marathon that's almost run at a constant sprint so <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> just describe business in a nutshell there <laughs> so it's okay how how do i work with this and clearly for me because i i pivoted at a 90 degree angle from a job that i i was used to its rhythm it was finding a new rhythm of working that yeah. was really challenging because mm -hmm. i was used to going out to work and i did a job i did it as best as i could and then i came home yeah. whereas with this one i worked from home and the job never finished i could yeah. go to bed and the same problem is still there when I'm <laughs> and this was new to me because obviously i did a job and it all tied up neatly in a bow and it was finished yeah. and and to be fair with with especially with live television uh, it's the complete opposite of what being an entrepreneur and a startup is because you would do the, you would do a job and you could either think you, you had knocked it out of the park and done the best job in the world, or it'd been a terrible show and everything had gone wrong. Either way, within 10 minutes, nobody cared because they were working yeah. on the next day's show. Yeah. So you had to either get over yourself as in <laughs> stop thinking you're amazing or get over yourself as in pull yourself together. You've got to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but either way, the job was done. And then you yes. started again. Every day was a fresh. This was so different because you were starting again with the same thing you were working on. The, day before, <laughs> yes. the same thing you were working on the day before that. And you still hadn't figured out how to solve it. Yes. So it was a big challenge was that endurance of, right, how, how do I not panic when I've got to the end of a week and I haven't finished my to-do list? Because to yeah. me, every alarm bell is ringing because mm -hmm. It's almost like I've left the show and the audience is still there or the, the line, <laughs> yeah. I'm so used to, and then it's done. Yeah. And so parceling it, it up almost. Yes. And sometimes, you know, I still get it now. We'll be sitting watching TV and Nick looks completely chilled. And I say to him, how are you not sitting here going, I have 4,000 things that I need to do <laughs> right now. How are you so relaxed? And he's like, I'll do it on Monday. But I can't think straight because I know it's in there and I've got to do it. He's like, you got to let it go. You, just, yeah. you have to learn to park it. So he plays golf. That's where he is now. He's out playing golf. Mm -hmm. um, I need to find my thing. I don't know what my thing is. He can just switch it off. And that's how he how he faces the endurance challenge. I, yeah. just, I haven't quite found my way yet. I need to find uh, my way. It's about having boundaries, isn't it? I think a lot of the time and getting off getting off that constant run. What what do you think you will choose as your thing? What makes um, you happy? So, so for me, I I almost can't stop working, and it, I think it's because I've taken something that has been a lifelong passion, and now it's my work. So it's something that I used to do when I wasn't working. It, 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 it was mean? fun so yeah I was well it wasn't just uh, that it was fun it was a I'm so interested in it so mm -hmm. I, I'm always listening to to podcasts or I've got an audiobook on the go or even if I'm walking the dog I'm listening to a podcast and I'm thinking that's really interesting oh I must remember yeah. that or da, da, da. so my brain what I used to do when I worked on New Simon you know I'd go to the gym and I'd listen to a podcast or an audiobook but then I'd park it and go to yeah. work. Mm -hmm. Now I've realized, oh gosh, I can't do that anymore because yeah. that just means I'm always working. And the lines um, are blurred, aren't they, that way? There's no separation. Yes. yes. So I, being brutally honest, I haven't found it yet. But okay. on Wednesday, 
I've I'm I've not done this yet so it's my first time I've booked the whole day off and I'm going to a day spa on my own oh and, lovely um, I've never done this before so and I've I've normally I would go and I'd be working on my phone or I'd be listening to something and I'm not going to I've got a bookcase here which is I'm a real nerdy book person. I'm sure I must have some book there. They're mainly all personal growth or development. I mean, that it's, you know, 30 years of being interested in it. But there must be a novel in there somewhere that I yeah. thought, oh, I must read that sometime. And I'm just... Well, nip down Charity Shop on Tuesday and get yourself one. <laughs> exactly. So I will read something that has nothing to do with health, wellness, growth. And I think that's where I'm going to have to draw my line in the sand because my passion is now my work. But what it means is there are no lines. It's even phone in the car as well. Say that again. Your phone in the car as well. Don't be taking that in with you. That is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think what I'll probably do is put it in my locker just in case. The yeah kids need me i know it's so weird isn't it it's yeah like, it's like I, I can't be uncontactable what about work <laughs> that's why it's so difficult it's like constantly on your mind do you wake up in the night and think of things too not so much waking up in the in the actually no it's a tough lie yeah i do i was <laughs> you're a proper lady in business Andrea <laughs> I, I was poorly a few weeks ago and really poorly and um I think, I think I had COVID again, but uh, I kept testing. It kept coming out negative, and in the mm -hmm. end, I got border testing. So I, but it felt the same as yeah. when I had COVID the first time. And so we had to cancel everything that we had in the diary. I had meetings. I was supposed to be in London. I was supposed to be. Da -da -da. We cancelled it all. Um, oh no! So instead, three o'clock in the morning, I'm redesigning our website. <laughs> <laughs> Flannel on the head, lots of water. Yeah, literally. Every, oh my god. Morocco, painkillers. <laughs> can't sleep. I know what I'll do is I'll totally redesign our website. That's what and to do. So the time off that I had in terms of right, I wasn't well enough to be because I'm coughing and fever and da da da. Aww. Oh no, I totally managed to redesign three different websites that we've got <laughs> running at the moment, and I, we were laughing about it in that. If I hadn't been ill, I don't know when I'd have got the time to do it. But it yeah. meant I never actually switched off because my rested. Like, yeah. So on Wednesday, I'm going to go and lie down and have someone give me a massage and just lie in a robe for a while. Yeah, bless you. So what is next for you? So what's exciting is considering it's taken us all this time to get, uh, you know, this girl's on fire into the app and and make it global and and fully put it into the online space we are now ready to take it offline so okay. we've we've done a few small events just to sort of test a measure and see how, mm -hmm. how they go and what's next for us is um more events in terms of offering it out to the to the wider world not just our members so they can come and just see see what we do yeah and also provide loads of learning and everything else. We we're launching this guys on fire by by about September, October. And we're going to end the year with a this girl, this guy event. 
Oh, Um, I'm really looking forward to that because then it means that it can it can be a real mixed bag in terms of uh, this kind of speakers that we can have and uh, and everything else, and so that and I've I've also decided to take the podcast that I've been running privately uh, inside our app. Um, I'm act